Welcome to the Bethel Christian Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Eric Capelli. I want to kick off this month with a sermon series that's called People of the Present. Do we believe as a Pentecostal people that we are carrying and hosting the presence of God? Yes? Come on. Are you with me today? All right, good. And so because of that, we have this divine responsibility that as we walk in the footsteps of Jesus, that the presence of God comes with us. And so today, I want to draw to our attention the very fact of, in order to have the presence of God moving and active in our life, there are no shortcuts. There are no shortcuts to getting God to work. And so because of that very thing, I want to draw our attention to a story in the Old Testament about the Israelites. See, when God delivered the people of Israel from slavery, he wanted them to represent his presence from that moment of deliverance forward. Just like Israel, God has released us from the bondage of sin and the tyranny of Satan, and he wants to lead us into the very plans and promises, not only that he has for your life, but that he has for people that you've not even met yet. And so in that, I want us to get this, that if we want the presence of God to move in our lives and in our church, we must not be so willing to take shortcuts. We live in a world of quick and fast, your way, right away, drive through, order it on Prime and have it on the next day. And we're even getting as far as you order it and a drone drops it off at your house. But see, the world of commercialism and economy is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has always worked differently. See, the world economy and the world's way of doing things is quick because the mindset is, let us eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. But the mindset of the kingdom of God is a marathon mindset. That the kingdom of God, while everyone else is doing these quick sprints and exhausted, the kingdom of God will know no end. God's glory will know no bound. And so because of that, you and I are being asked, just like Israel, to take the long cut. Have you ever taken a long cut? Or what I recall, a divine detour. God's ways and our ways are never the same. And so for Israel, in Exodus chapter 13, verse 18, the following is said. When Pharaoh let the people go, meaning the Israelites from slavery, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country. Though that was shorter, for God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. See, God is in the business of divine detours. And there's a reason why he does that. Because God understands human nature. See, just like we give credit to the enemy of him knowing human weakness, God also knows our weaknesses. Over and over again in the Bible, God says, fear not. And the reason he says that is, is because all of us, whether you're macho, chauvinistic, whether you're a big guy or a big girl, whatever that looks like, all of us as human beings are prone to worry, fear, and anxiety. We might call it something different, but the truth is the truth. How do I know that? Well, your lovely pastor's wife, Pastor Rina, she also studied psychology. And when she was working on her bachelor's, one of the papers that she wrote to finish her study had to do with anxiety. 
And the results of those studies was every single person has anxiety, but everyone deals with it differently. Every single person experiences anxiety, but there are tools that can help every single one of us have a little less worry and what the Bible calls a little more faith. I don't know about you, but I like a little more faith in my life. How about you? And so that's why we want to take the long cut. Because when God saw Israel, that they were just delivered from the hand of Pharaoh, he knew that if other nations made war against them in that moment, that they would lose heart and want to run back to Egypt. And so God began to craft a masterful plan. We see over and over again that even though God was creating a plan to protect them and bringing them on a divine detour, they worried over and over and over again. Their worry caused disbelief or unbelief. Their worry caused them to fret. Their worry caused them to complain and even disobey God. In the words of Corrie ten Boom, she says the following about worrying. Worry is like a rocking chair. It keeps you moving, but it doesn't get you anywhere. You can laugh, it's allowed. See, worry for the Israelites was that rocking chair. Every time they complained and every time they worried and they disobeyed God and what he said to them and they didn't want to believe, it made them have to walk and walk and walk and walk and walk. Forty years they had to walk and walk and walk and walk. And so God wants to bring us from a place of fear and doubt and unbelief to a place of faith and perseverance and vigilance. Why? Because God has the best in mind for you. God knows you. He knows every detail of your life. He knows what we need as a church community, not only to rebuild our church after a pandemic, but to rebuild our society. I believe that a heavy calling is resting upon us, and God is looking for men and women of faith that are going to rise up and say, God, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to be, I am going to be it. By hook or by crook, I'm following you you with everything in me. What do we need to get from fear to faith? Well, the first thing is we need to learn how to develop thick skin. We live in a thin-skinned society. Everyone is offended. Everyone. I've never met so many offended people in all my life. I will tell you something. We all get offended. Will the offense ever end? Absolutely not. As long as you are alive and breathing on a sinful planet, people will say things that get on your last nerve. People will say things that hurt your feelings. People will be against you. They will be naysayers. They will criticize you. They will complain about you. But God is calling us to develop thick skin and to learn to move on in Christ. See, I believe according to the Bible, and the Bible doesn't say this, other people have, what doesn't kill you really does make you stronger. I am not, you know, kind of throwing to the side if someone is a victim or someone has been through hard times. But the reality of humanity is we have all been through hard times. The reality of humanity is that we have all fallen on difficulties that were outside of our control, that have left us feeling helpless and hopeless and powerless. But thank God for Jesus. He became a victim so that you don't have to be a victim anymore. 
develop thick skin. Why do I say that? Well, it's not me saying it. The Word of God says it too. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says the following. It says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Romans 5, 3 through 5. See, the book of Romans shows us that everything that we've been through, the good, the bad, and the ugly, the lovely people who have encouraged us along the way, the others that have harmed us and hurt us, belittled us, and thrown us to the side, that God has used all of that as part of his master plan to use us for his glory and his purposes. See, the pain of our past doesn't need to define us, but it needs to be the driving force of compassion that moves us forward to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. It can define you in the right way and not in the wrong way. Why do we want this? Because like I said, we live in a dream society. We live in a society that tells us everyone should be happy and giggling 24 hours a day and seven days a week. Everyone should be encouraged. Everyone should hear that their idea is awesome. But that is not reality. And the reason I preach this to you is because I want you to have a real sense of what the Word of God means in a world that is riddled by sinful humanity. And so when we live in that world, people will be mean to us. People will hurt us. People will not believe in us. When we are stepping out in faith, others will try to chop you down. Keep going anyway. Keep moving forward anyway. Because this is all part of the plan. In the midst of your sufferings and difficulties, God is using that to build character integrity. Those are necessary ingredients. In order to rebuild church and rebuild life, God is looking for people that have character, people that are willing to stand when everyone else falls, people that are willing to stand up for what's right, even when everyone else is doing what is wrong. See, that thick skin is needed because if you bow to the comments and opinions of others, you will never stand for anything. Corrie ten Boom said the following regarding this type of resilience. She said, this is what the past is for. Every experience God gives us, every person he puts in our lives is the perfect preparation for a future that only he can see. Do you realize the naysayers in your life, God put them there? Do you realize the bad things in life that irritated you or maybe even hurt you? That is all part of the plan. In a few more months or next month, I am going to preach about the life of Joseph. But Joseph said at the end of his life, he said, everything that you intended for bad, God has turned and used for the good. See, God takes all of the sum total of your life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and he turns it for the good. But he says this in Romans, for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. If you want good to come out of those moments, you've got to submit to his will and to his way. What's the next thing that we need in this journey? And I am there. 
That is that we need to develop our spirit, man. Do you realize more than flesh and blood and needing to eat and sleep and drink and other needs that human beings have, you are spiritual? Do you realize that there is a part of you that when this body dies and goes into the ground that you will keep on living? And when you come to know Christ, that spirit man, that part of you that's eternal, that is activated and comes to life. But the only way that that spiritual part of you can have the upper hand is if you feed it, nurture it, and train it. It doesn't happen on its own. That's why the Bible says, train yourselves to be godly. How do we do that? We need to learn the art of not reacting from our flesh, but responding by the Spirit. We hear that, but I'm going to tell you that is not easy. See, when you live according to the Spirit of God and the Word of God, it creates a war within you. And the nature that you feed, like I said, is the nature that wins. And so because of that, this training becomes ultimately important. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 says the following, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace of that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. See, the word holiness has become a dirty word. It's become a dirty word in our society and even in our churches. People feel like when we are calling people to live according to the spirit and not according to the flesh, they make it seem as if we're setting a bar that's too high to achieve. Listen, people, the world of Christianity is not a world of rainbows and unicorns. It is about a God who completely gave himself to give you all the power you need to live a godly life. It is not meant to do it in your own power. It is meant to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I cannot be a Christian in my own power. I need the Holy Spirit. He is the one who gives me everything that I need to follow Christ. My holiness doesn't come from me. My holiness comes from Christ. Corey ten Boom said the following. She said, trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing, exhausting, and tedious of all work. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus just flows out of you. I hope that we understand that. See, people, we try to blame things. That's kind of our human nature. But you don't know the way that person talked to me. But you don't know what happened through the pandemic. You don't know the financial stuff I'm going through. You don't know what's happening in my family. You don't know the sickness that's in my body. Yes, God knows all of it. He knows our weakness. But he wants to fill you with power so that you can be more than an overcomer no matter what is happening to you. You might get out of bed every morning and feel like you've got punched in the face. But thank God that you can immediately, when you feel that way, call upon Jesus and say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Again, like I said, this is not the world of rainbows and unicorns. 
So when the disciples were beaten and they were thrown into prison, they could have sat in prison all beaten up and been like, oh, woe is me. Jesus told me to follow him, but look, I'm being thrown in prison. They beat me. They beat me, teacher, teacher, they beat me. Pastor, you don't understand. I want to preach Jesus, but they just beat me. I'm giving up. I'm done. I'm going home. No, these men, even though they were beaten because they were so full of the power and presence of Jesus, they began to praise. They began to worship in that prison cell. And all of a sudden, the prison began to shake. Their chains fell off and the doors were opened. People, whether those doors ever open up or not for me, I don't care. I will praise him anyway. I didn't start this life to just continue it in my own strength. I do it because it is his power that is living inside of us. That brings me to the next step. In order to go from fear to faith, we need to learn to think in other scenarios. What do I mean by that in better scenarios? Well, don't write the story until you have finished the chapter. So many people, they start filling in the story before it even happens. I have this thing, it kind of happens all the time. You know, I call it the principal's office syndrome. Like as a pastor of a church, if I say to someone, oh, I need to talk to you, they automatically think they're in trouble. I say like, what's wrong? Like, I want to just talk to you like a normal person. But people become acquainted with that because of past experiences, they start filling in the story. They fill it in with doubts and worries and unbelief and fears. But part of it is God wants you to see the bigger picture. God wants you to know that he is the one that has written the last chapter of the story of your life. How many here have been able to read the last chapter of the Bible in the book of Revelation? If you haven't, I suggest that you read it again. Why? Because that chapter gives me full assurance that God sees the bigger picture. God sees the things that I do not see. I'm short-sighted in my vision of things, but God sees the story from beginning to end. So Christians, oftentimes, they can get themselves a little bit ruffled when things happen. Oh my gosh, do you see what's going on politically and economically? Do you see what's going on with this virus? And oh, it's the end of the world and the Antichrist is coming and they get themselves so wound up. But I know how this story ends. My story does not end with the devil. My story does not end with an Antichrist. My story does not end in destruction. My story, because I know Jesus, not only ends in victory, but will continue in victory forever and ever and ever. Your story is the best story that was ever written. And see, the Israelites, they didn't get that. There are believers sometimes, they don't get that, that God sees the whole story. The book of Hebrews chapter 12 verses 3 through 4 says, Consider him who endured such opposition, meaning Jesus, from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. The word of God is all about persevering. The word of God, when everyone else says you cannot or you are not able, the word of God says, oh, yes, you can. 
Oh, yes, you can. If you have not shed your blood and been nailed to a cross like Jesus, you have no excuse. There is nothing that is more powerful than being nailed to a cross when you did nothing wrong. But Jesus did it. Jesus went the full way. He showed us about perseverance under persecution. He showed us about joy in the midst of suffering. And he is calling all who know him to rise to the occasion and follow him. See, the children of Israel were faced with stories and they didn't know the whole story. They react just like we react to things. And so when we read their story, and I'm going to backtrack a little bit here, we see that God, when they were slaves in Egypt, he caused plagues to come out against the Egyptians. And so Israel was able to see time and time again that God was making a mockery out of the gods of Egypt and that God was delivering them from the hand of Pharaoh. You think they'd be jumping and rejoicing. Oh, no, they weren't. God delivered all their firstborn children. Were they rejoicing? No, they weren't. When God led them out of Egypt with all of the treasures of Egypt, were they rejoicing? No, they weren't. When God brought them to the Red Sea, were they rejoicing? No. Oh, no. They even said to Moses, as they were on the cusp of the Red Sea, the place of the long cut, they said to him, what have you done to us? You brought us here to die. We were better off in Egypt. We told you so. We told you so. These people that are saying to Moses, we told you so, they are wearing the Egyptians' clothes. They're carrying their money with them. God just delivered them in a mighty way, and there they are again, trapped in their short-sightedness. And they're saying to Moses, you brought us here to die. So Moses speaks as God tells him to, and he has the waters of the Red Sea part, and they walk through on dry ground. And when they come to the other side, God closes up the waters on the armies of Pharaoh. And the Egyptians, when they're on the, I'm sorry, the Israelites, when they're on the other side of the water and they get not only four steps into the wilderness, they start saying to Moses, you have brought us here to this wasteland to die. We're thirsty. I say all the time, it's like my kids right before dinner. I'm hungry. I'm like, the food is on the table. I'm hungry. We have food. We don't see that God sees the bigger picture. And the illustration I want to bring to mind is the God of the Bible just split a sea open. Can he not provide a stupid cup of water? And God wants us to see in these things that we see a little bit. We need to trust him. We need to trust him in all things knowing he knows and he sees the bigger picture. That causes us to respond in faith and know that when we don't see things, God sees it. God sees the things that we do not see. God sees the bigger plan. And it causes us to have to trust in him. Upon the rebuilding of Europe after the Second World War, Winston Churchill, the Prime Minister of England, went to a school and he said the following to the students. He said, do not let us speak of darker days, let us speak rather of sterner days. These are not dark days, these are great days, the greatest our country has ever lived.
And we must all thank God that we have been allowed, each of us, according to our stations, to play a part in making these days memorable in the history of our race. Do you all understand this, that you were born and placed here for such a time as this? The pandemic, hopefully, it did not ruin your life, but it gave you a chance to be used by God like you have never been used before. Like I said, God is looking for men and women of faith to rise up in this hour and say, God, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to be, here I am reporting for duty. I will build your church. I will build, build, build. The greatest days are still yet to come. How do we get to that place? It's not easy, but yet it's simple at the same time. The following is said in Psalm 18, 20 through 24 from the Message Translation. God made my life complete when I placed all the pieces before him. When I got my act together, he gave me a fresh start. Now I'm alert to God's ways. I, take, I don't take God for granted. Every day I review the ways he works. I try not to miss a trick. I feel put back together and I'm watching my step. God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart to his eyes. Today, God is calling us to take the long cut. God is calling us to review our ways and asking us to let the story of our lives be rewritten because, like I said, if God is calling us to be men and women of faith, we need to develop that thick skin. We need to respond according to the Spirit, and we need to see the big picture. And when we do those things, when we learn to act in faith, that is when the kingdom of God starts operating on our lives like it's never operated before. Exodus 13, 8. So God led the people around the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. I don't know about you, church, but I am ready for battle. Are you ready? Come on. I'm not going down. You're not going down. Churches in the United States are not going down. Our society is not going down. Our children are not going down. Our teenagers, they are not going down. We are going up. We are going up. We're going higher to the call that God has in us. And my prayer today is, Lord, use me. Like I said, where does it start when we say to God, rewrite the story of my life when you look at the pages of my heart? When Jesus sat down with his disciples, if you could stand with me, we're going to celebrate communion. He said, tonight I introduce to you a new covenant, a new chapter, a new book. The old things, they have been completed, but he was about to do something new. And so he invited this group of rabble-rousing men. Some of them would betray him on that evening. But even in the midst of knowing he would be betrayed, Jesus invited them as friends. And he said, even though you are full of worry and fear, I am giving you a new covenant. And this covenant is not through the blood of an animal. It is through my precious blood. Your sins will not just be covered over. They will be completely 
washed away. A brand new start. A brand new way of doing things and looking at things. Jesus also said when he took the bread, he said, this is my body which is broken for you. And he broke the bread as a symbol of his body that would be pierced, his side that would be pierced with the saber. And he knew that our brokenness would somehow stifle us and he didn't want us to be victims to a world of sin and societal evils. And so with this new covenant, we have been invited to a brand new society a brand new family, a brand new set of ground rules that govern things. And so today, as we eat and drink, I ask you first to examine yourself. And the first thing that I want us to examine is, Lord, have I been walking around being sensitive to everyone and everything? Lord, take my heart, not today, don't make me bitter, but Lord, empower me with compassion. Empower me to love beyond pain. Empower me to love beyond betrayal and beyond hurt. Make me a victor and not a victim. The other thing that I want us to evaluate this morning as we eat is have you been living according to your flesh? Have you been living just in your own little world and it has nothing to do with the Lord? Or are your thoughts and your actions focused on Him of the Lord building His kingdom through your life? He wants to change you. He wants to help you. And the last thing is, has fear and worry caused you to be short-sighted? Or what the Bible says is full of unbelief, full of complaining and doubt and worry. See, that is not the place that God wants for any of us. And so today, as we eat and drink, before we do that, I ask the Lord, examine me. Look at the pages of my life. Lord, rewrite the story if there's fear and doubt and anxiety and sensitivity. Whatever it is that's hindering your work in me, Lord, clean me up. Because I am leaving here today on a whole new chapter. I know how my story ends. By this new covenant, I know how my story ends, and it ends in victory. When Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he did. He took the cup, which was symbolic of his blood, and he gave thanks. And then he took the bread, and he broke it, and he gave thanks. And he said, this is the blood and the body of my new covenant, my blood which flows for the forgiveness of your sin, and my body which is broken on behalf of you. And they ate and they drank and they gave thanks. Church, in this moment, let us drink of the cup together, giving thanks because it is the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. And as we eat together today, his body was broken to make us one family. We might live in a world that is crazy, but they're not gonna make us crazy. We are one family in Christ. Man, woman, young, old, it doesn't matter your background. What matters is, is on the common bond of Christ that we eat of him and say, Lord, you are, you are my everything. Lord, if I am broken, make me whole. Relationships that are broken, make them whole. Let us eat today with one another and proclaim his wholeness. Jesus, we thank you. 
and we give you praise today as your church, as we lift our voices, come church, let us thank him and let us praise him. Without his blood, there would be no forgiveness of sin. Without his body, we would be left in brokenness. But thank God for Jesus, who has the joy that overcomes our strength. Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, we give you glory. Jesus, we thank you that even if we're taking the long cut, we want to follow your leading. Lord, where you tell me to go, I'm going to go. Lord, at this day and age, in your church, in my family, at my work, wherever it is that you would have me to be, Lord, I am going to build. I am going to build. These might be sterner days, but these are the best days. These are the days that you have called me to. Lord, as you part the Red Sea for me, don't let me complain about a stupid cup of water. God, let me operate with eyes of faith. Let me live and see the bigger picture. Lord, here I am. Lord, here I am this morning. I give you all of me. I give you all of me. If you need that surrender to him, just lift your hands where you are. Just surrender to him. Just surrender. God is not here to condemn you today. He is here maybe to challenge you. But he wants to empower you by the Holy Spirit. He wants to give you everything you need on the journey to get to the place that he has for you. You don't need to wander in a wilderness. You can be full of faith every step of the way knowing my God never fails. My God does the impossible. Lord, pour out your spirit on your people today. Give them all that they need to live a godly life and flow through them today like never before. No shortcuts, no drive-through. Good old-fashioned character, perseverance, and hope. Lord, propel us forward. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And the church said, Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Bethel Christian Church Message of the Week. Head to BethelCC.org to stay up to date with everything that's going on at Bethel Christian Church.